Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We are shocked, infuriated, but sadly not surprised by the events that occurred this week. You will not hear discussion of it in the show because we record well in advance of release dates. But we want our nation and the world to know that these events have never and will never truly represent this country and her people. We stand with you, America. Welcome back to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we are serving up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. A bit weird, but it works. Today's special is Greco-Roman mythology. I'm your hostess, Ashley. And I am her very short helper, Emily. (laughs) And I am her... Medium-ish helper, Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) We're all getting to know each other. (laughs) Vertically challenged over here. (laughs) It's true, but she's adorable, so it it evens out. (laughs) Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Oedipus Rex. Ooh! So mentally prepare yourself because there's going to be some incest and there's nothing I can do about it. I am really not surprised that you picked this story. I know this story so well I could tell it in my sleep or maybe backwards and drunk, but I don't want to test that. (laughs) Well, this kind of goes back to your academic background, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I've read these plays like a million times, but they're based on the actual myth, so it works out. Okay, we'll do our source rundown before I dive into the story, because once we get to the incest, we're not turning back around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I used two plays by Sophocles, Oedipus Rex and Oedipus at Colonus, and I used editions that were translated by Lewis Campbell because I don't read Greek. (laughs) Fair. I don't either. No, it's too hard. I know some Latin. I don't know any Greek. Can't do it. Um, I used an article by Alice Barnes-Brown called the Oracle of... Wow. The Oracle (laughs) at... I can't do this word. All right. Take three. The Oracle of Delphi, how the ancient Greeks relied on one woman's divine visions. And that's from History Answers UK. I used a page from Encyclopedia Mythica on the Moray. I used the Wikipedia page on Oedipus, which I found a mistake on, and then I fixed it. Because boom. Damn, son. <laughs> I got I got to tell someone they were wrong, sort of. That's awesome. Yeah, it felt pretty good. Um, <laughs> now you just need to send them the email. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go that far. I was just like, ah yes, corrections. Okay, a couple more sources. Um 
an article from Simply Psychology on the Oedipal Complex by Saul McLeod, an article from Ancient Encyclopedia called Oedipus the King by Donald Wasson, and an article which I hate to do this because it's going to ruin something later, but we're just going to. It's called A Brief History of Freud's Love Affair with Cocaine. And that's (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Scott Oliver, for that. And I'm not going to tell you my last source because it'll ruin everything. So I'm going to hold that one. I mean, who hasn't had a brief love affair with cocaine, right? I mean, Sherlock Holmes liked some cocaine, so I guess it's all good. All the brilliant minds have. I must not be very brilliant then. <laughs> <I'm just teasing. laughs> okay, so before we dive into the huge mess that is this story, we got to do our context so that we're all on the same page. So first of all, in case you somehow don't know this, ancient Greeks loved their gods. Sometimes a little too literally, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Bow, chicka, bow, bow. <laughs> um, so they loved them so much they actually had two generations of deities. Uh, the first generation is the Titans, who were basically the parents to the Olympians, which is the group of gods and goddesses that most of us are more familiar with. One way that ordinary humans could attempt to learn the will of the gods was by visiting oracles. An oracle was a human woman who had the ability to communicate with the gods, and this role couldn't be filled by just anybody. Um, Initially, young, attractive, virginal women were said to be the best possible vessels. But because men can be kind of gross if they're alone with beautiful women and there are no witnesses around, that didn't work out so well. So they started using older women, normally 50 years and up, to fulfill these roles. And generally, these women were selected from among the priestesses um, and for the oracle at Delphi, specifically from the temple at Delphi. You okay, Emily? I am just picturing when they made that policy change, and the first guy that goes to visit goes walking in like, yeah, I'm going to check that. And he, oh, just the sheer disappointment of, <laughs> oh. It probably like whenever like a social so well. media platform updates and you're like, <laughs> I know what I'm getting myself into. No, I don't. I have disappointment <laughs> right now. It's kind of like when the, somebody puts their profile picture up and it doesn't look at anything like them. You meet them in person and you're like, Yeah, you totally lied about that, didn't you? False advertising. That's, I think, what that guy was feeling the first time he went. That picture's 10 years old and very carefully lit. How dare you? Or possibly, at this point, 40 years old. Yeah. (laughs) In that vein, yeah. Okay, so an oracle would have to go through a purification process before communicating with the gods. So that would involve fasting, drinking holy water, and bathing in a sacred spring. Gotta be nice and clean, apparently, or Zeus won't talk to you. I don't buy it, but that was their logic. 
I mean, if you were a god, do you really want to come down and get face to face with a bunch of stinky ass humans? I mean, I've read some myths where they definitely don't mind getting down and dirty. <laughs> I don't think anybody bathed in a sacred spring before that. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. But you're right. Stinky people are not good. Not everybody has a sacred spring in their bathroom. That's true. I don't. <laughs> that was extra. That wasn't included with the house. Oh, okay. I can see that. You got the basic model. <laughs> okay, so the oracle would enter a holy trance induced by, and I'm going to air quote this, magical vapors. I go in those kind of trances too every once in a while. Yeah? Is it fun? Do you get messages from the gods? It usually says you should eat some snacks. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good message if you're going to get one. Much better than the messages in the story. (laughs) Unless you get that message way too many times. (laughs) I get it. Exactly where these vapors came from is still something of a mystery, but I think it's safe to say they had a psychedelic effect on the oracles. Anyway, this would allow the oracle to enter the divine realm, where she communicated with the gods to find out their will. People from all walks of life would visit her to consult on important matters, hoping to learn the divine will so they could use it to guide their life and their choices. The Moire were three women, sometimes referred to as the Fates in Greek mythology. And basically, they are responsible for assigning each person their share, because that's like a direct translation of the root of the word Moire um, in life and play a significant role in determining the fate of individual humans. They are often depicted as weavers and symbolized with a spindle. It's important to note that the flexibility of one's fate varies throughout Greek mythological history. So depending on your source, You might just be stuck with it, or there might be some wiggle room. It really depends on who's writing this story. You could be screwed royally, just like right out of the gate, and sometimes there's nothing you can do about it, apparently. So that seems nice. It's like when you draw the straws, and you get the short one, and you're like, okay, cool. Yep. You're screwed now. Nothing's going (laughs) to change it. (laughs) Various um, versions of the myth of Oedipus can be found in works by several famous ancient Greek writers, including Homer, who I think everybody's heard of because of the Odyssey and the Iliad, Hesiod, Pindar, Aeschylus, Euripides, and the most famous story is from Sophocles, who wrote a trilogy of plays. And that's going to be our main source for the myth itself, because otherwise I get to sit here and be like, okay, in this version, he does this. And in this version, he does this. And in this version, they all do this. And no, we're not doing that. Sophocles, (laughs) it is across the board. (laughs) 
Most of what we know of this story dates back to the 5th century BCE. So this is obviously a, an exceptionally old story. So let's get into it because it's weird and it's wild. Are you, are you ready for this, Lindsay? I'm ready. I'm going to take another sip of water so I can be ready to comment. Do, do you know anything about Oedipus? <gasps> oh, she's in for a ride. Oh, I'm like a kid in a I went candy to art store school. <laughs> I didn't have to dumb. read classic literature. <laughs> yeah, he had some problems. Oedipus is a dirty, dirty boy. I think that's I'm, a I'm fair ready. assessment. I'm ready with some Lannister jokes. So. All right. You can throw <laughs> gonna, them out there. Yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> All right, let's dive into the myth itself. When King Laius and Queen Jocasta of Thebes were expecting a child, Laius decided to seek the counsel of the oracle at Delphi. The oracle told Laius that if he had a son, that child would be destined to kill his father and marry his mother. Off to a great start. Yeah. <laughs> going to be a great day for Laius, right? I mean, hey, your progeny's going to kill you and then make off with your wife. It's going to be awesome. Congrats on your baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not Mazel the real party they wanted. <laughs> no, I can't imagine this is how they wanted this to go. Laius was understandably horrified. <laughs> yeah. And his fears were amplified when Queen Jocasta did, in fact, give birth to a baby boy. What are the chances? I don't know. Uh, like, bum ba bum 50-50? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the coin toss went the wrong way, and the baby <laughs> was a boy. So King Laius responded by doing something I think we're all going to agree is completely despicable. He pierced the child's feet and bound them so the baby would be unable to crawl. Oh and then God. the king and queen handed the baby over to a servant and told him to leave the child on the mountain to die. What the fuck? Okay, first of all, have these people never seen a baby? You're not going to have a newborn baby crawling down a freaking mountain to find you. It's not like they have some kind of honing skills at that point. Or it's a baby, know, not a carrier pigeon. <laughs> and it can't crawl. So why do you even do that? Because it makes it worse. And it's Greek mythology. So we gotta. But it's. I, hey, I think he's an asshole, but that's how the story goes. So I can't do anything about it. The servant, unable to bear the thought of leaving the child to certain death, instead handed the infant over to a shepherd in Corinth. Eventually, the child was passed over to King Polybius and Queen Merope of Corinth to raise as their own since they had no children. They named the boy Oedipus, which literally means swollen foot. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, because the foot piercing. Caesar means big nose. So when you eat a Caesar salad, you're eating a big nose salad. 
Yeah, but you're not eating a swollen foot salad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's way worse. This is what you shall be known as for life. <laughs> you are now swollen foot. Go forth and prosper. <laughs> you meet somebody First new. First of your and name. They're like, what's the backstory on that? <laughs> He's like, well, and then he like puts his giant swollen foot on the table. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I can see where they got that. <laughs> Inspired choice, really. You meant literally. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Emily. I'm okay. <laughs> Trying not to spit out my water. <laughs> uh, fun fact, the word edema comes from this same Greek root word. Because it also means swelling. Oh, so like lymphedema. Swollen lymph nodes. I threw I that in there for it. you. Because you science. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's like, okay. I'm like, I'm <laughs> learning stuff. Polybius and Merope loved Oedipus and brought him up to believe he was their biological son. So he was raised as a prince and had the arrogance and the attitude to match the position. But not the feet. No, not the feet swollen foot <laughs> that sucker right in his place rinse up top popper down below swollen head and swollen feet <laughs> one day a drunk told oedipus that he was a bastard aka he was not the biological son of the king and queen of Corinth. This led Oedipus to angrily confront the parents who'd raised him and demand answers. Polybius and Merope vehemently denied the drunk's story, insisting they were truly his biological parents. So wait, was it common knowledge to everybody in the kingdom that he wasn't their biological son? In Corinth, probably, because, like, one minute the queen's not even pregnant, and the next there's a baby. I'd so. be a little bit suspicious. Yeah. In a quest for answers, Oedipus goes to the Oracle at Delphi. Yes, the same one. <laughs> I bet she's like... <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact face that she made, and she did the fingers because she was so excited. She's like, yes, yes. I've been waiting for you. Come, child, let me see your cloven foot. <laughs> I can do this. It's going to be fine. So anyway, she told him, surprise, surprise, that his destiny was to kill his father and marry his mother. Desperate to avoid this fate, Oedipus was like, problem solved, I'm never going back to Corinth because it's not safe to go there. Mm. And so instead, he went to Thebes because it was closer to Delphi. I see what's happening here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think she's got it. <laughs> Some lost in translation stuff going on. Oh, this story... <laughs> it's it's about to take another really intense turn. <laughs> so on his way to Thebes, Oedipus comes to Davila, where three roads intersect. 
this causes a problem because he and a chariot containing King Laius end up blocking one another's path. Now, custom dictated that the more important, higher-ranking person gets to go first, and the lower-ranking person is supposed to GTFO. But our boy Oedipus is... Well, I'm just going to steal Emily's thing. He has a swollen head to match his swollen foot. (laughs) Yeah. So he won't move. And they kind of end up in, I'm just going to say, a pissing contest. Because why not? So, uh... Like father, like son? I mean, yeah. You could could probably say that, sure. Got all his dad's best qualities. And eventually his wife. His big feet. (laughs) His big feet, his big ego. Any bitties. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What was your thing, Lindsay? It was like Prince up top, pauper down below. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, they are arguing and no one will move. And then finally, the charioteer tries to run Oedipus over. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Listen. (laughs) I don't know how people make decisions. This isn't what I would have done, but hey. You know, I see, I thought that seemed like the next logical step. Run him down. Kill yeah. him. I'm sure there's no way around him. Might as well just run him over. Well, you'd have to, like, step in the mud or something. Like, who's going to do that? Yeah. Just kill him. Especially when you don't have paved roads to begin with, so. <laughs> it's just road rage. Fun. It's fine. Yeah. It it definitely ends super well. We should just stop the story right here. They all (laughs) made up and had pizza. Do you think Russia used to have, like, ancient road rage issues? Probably. If they had the cameras back then. Have you ever seen the, like, Russian? (laughs) On YouTube? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But in chariots. (laughs) Totally. It happened. Head cannon. You can't tell me any different. (laughs) So when the charioteer charges Oedipus, Oedipus kills him and then kills Laius too. So the only person who survives who witnessed the attack was a slave who fled in fear. And I think we can all say, yeah, that's what I would have done too, because screw that. I'm not dying here. Well, and now there's nobody else to say that you were a slave. So you're like, ha bitches, here's my opportunity. <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> Don't kill me! <laughs> I'm out! <laughs> I have seen some shit, and I nope right out of there. <laughs> so, good decision, person. I would have done it, too. Oedipus continues on his way to Thebes, eventually encountering a sphinx. Just, you know, just chilling. It's just chilling because it's Greece, so why not? There's just a sphinx blocking the path. That's what happens. It's a common occurrence. So, the thing with sphinxes, in case you haven't run into one somehow when you're going somewhere is that you have to answer their riddle or you're not allowed past. So Oedipus had to answer the riddle and the riddle was what moves on four feet in the morning, two in the afternoon, and three in the evening. 
I know the answer to this one. Me, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to say it? Go for it, Lindsay. It's Mayan. Mm hmm. Yes. So, you know, Oedipus comes up with the right answer, and apparently no one else had been able to do that because Greeks aren't that smart back in the day or something. I don't think that's a hard <laughs> riddle, but it is thousands of years old, so maybe I'm being judgmental. It may have been retold a few times by now. Yeah, we've heard it. It's old news. They didn't have the internet back then, so it's fine. It's not their fault. <laughs> They did not have the internet, can't confirm. <laughs> <laughs> so he answers correctly and says, man, and the Sphinx is like, oh man, you got me. And then he takes off, because that's all you gotta <laughs> do to be the Sphinx. <laughs> Picture him like snapping its fingers and being like, man. And then he just like kicks some dirt before he flies away. That like exactly swiper from Dora. Yes, ah, exactly man. like that, but with wings. <laughs> with wings. <laughs> flies away all like pouting with his arms crossed. Sphinx! No Sphinx! <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, which of course Oedipus doesn't know this because he's getting asked riddles by a Sphinx. Uh, meanwhile in Thebes, Creon, that's Jocasta's brother, is vowing that any man who could rid the city of the Sphinx would be given the recently widowed Queen Jocasta's hand in marriage. Wait, they already know that she's widowed, even though he's on that same... Well, that yeah. was fast. Well, time passed. I, you know, I whittled okay, it down okay. so that I don't turn into that one season of Game of Thrones where they're just walking the whole time. <laughs> so we're doing like the season eight version of this where we're like, they left in the next episode. They're there already. <laughs> you don't need to know what happened in between. No, you don't. Doesn't matter. Doesn't affect the story. No White Walkers, just that Sphinx and he's gone. Foiled. So Oedipus makes it there, and he's like, hey, uh, what was the deal with that Sphinx? Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. Sophocles didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so they confirm that the Sphinx is gone, and they're like, hey, you get to marry our hot cougar queen. So then, you know, they get married, because we just give women to people for favors mm -hmm. in Greece back in the day. They're basically gift bags. Yeah. Swag bag, here you go. Good job. Thanks for coming to my Super Bowl party. Here's your, here's your new wife. Here's your complimentary <laughs> queen. <laughs> so they get married, which makes him the king of Thebes now. And over the next few years, uh, Oedipus got very, very busy with his mom. Cool. Sure, yeah. she's like, great, that foot is so hot. <laughs> it must have been, because they had four children. Yeah, I'm willing she, to bet she did not have much choice in that if she didn't have choice in the husband in the first place. You don't get choice in a whole lot uh, when you were a woman back in the day, and mm -hmm. sometimes not now. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> I laugh so I don't cry. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So they have four children, two girls named Antigone and Ismene, and two boys named Eteocles and Polynesis. 
A number of years later, Thebes gets beset by an infertility plague that affects people, crops, and livestock. So they've got no food and no one can have a baby. Must be something in the water. I would have rather we had that plague. Infertility? I feel like it would have solved a lot of problems. Well, you know, except for the (laughs) lack of food. Yeah, that uh, that creates its own new problem. Yeah, so, you know, you end up with the Lion King while Scar is in charge. That's where we're at in this story. Except I like the, I like the Disney reference. Except <laughs> Greece and not Africa. So totally different, but the same. And no hyenas. Damn. But we do get sphinxes. We did, yeah. He's gone, though. He's not coming back. Are you looking for a new adventure? Did you ever want to visit the city where all your nightmares reside? Well, you're in luck. Join us, your tour guides, Christine and Jen, to visit Nopeville, where you will be personally escorted on an all-inclusive trip through the city and see all possibilities of terror and fright. You'll see all sorts of things on your tours, including, but definitely not limited to, the paranormal, true crime, the supernatural, and more. If you're into all that and enjoy a little dark humor, book your tour today and nope right along with us. Check us out on our website at nopevillepodcast.com to see where you can listen to Nopeville today. So new life of any kind became an impossibility. Uncertain of the cause of their misfortunes, King Oedipus sends his brother-in-law slash uncle, Creon, to the Oracle at Delphi. She's like, boy, I love you guys. You keep me entertained. (laughs) She's like, I love this repeat business. It's so good for me. She's just full-on cackling and, like, sniffing up those vapors. You know it. She's like, I heard you coming. She's been huffing the paint fumes this whole time. Like... She's like, don't tell them. I phoned it in on that first prediction, and it just keeps snowballing. Do you guys um, watch It's Always Sunny? I've seen some of it. A few, yeah. I'm just picturing her, like, sniffing in a paper bag, and she comes up, and there's, like, silver paint underneath her nose from, like, huffing paint. She's just like, I've been expecting you. (laughs) I've been communing with the gods. (laughs) She's in the divine realm. (laughs) (laughs) So Creon asks the Oracle of Delphi what they can do to cure the plague. And the Oracle tells Creon that the plague will not abate until the killer of King Laius receives appropriate punishment. And uh, doing your mom doesn't end up being appropriate punishment? No. He's supposed to get stabbed at a crossroads? <laughs> no, but I like where your head's at. That's not what's going <laughs> to happen. It's much worse than that. Do they okay. stab his feet and leave him on a mountain? No. No. Nope. Do they take, take away his feet? <laughs> things? No. It's going to be bad. So, Creon delivers the news to the king and Oedipus. He personally vows to seek out and punish the murderer. Womp womp. (laughs) (laughs) Go 
Good luck with that, pal. Good luck with that. <laughs> it's like the episode of The Office when Dwight realizes that uh, Pam threw him as the sexual predator. <laughs> yeah. As the flasher. He's gets like, up in I've the been mirror. out here oh. posting these all day and it's me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So, yeah, he's like, I'm going to find this guy. I'm going to send him into exile. Plague's going to be over. I'm going to be the best again. Nope. Sorry. So Creon's like, hey, I know who we should ask for help. Uh, Let's get the aid of the blind prophet Tiresias so we can find out who the murderer is. Because he clearly saw... He's a prophet, but that was mean. <laughs> Sorry. Blind people know things too. He's <laughs> not gonna be able to pick him out of a lineup, I don't think. <laughs> he doesn't need to see. He knows. He knows things. So they send for Tiresias. You're gonna make it, Emily. <laughs> Sorry. I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the first thing that popped into my head. (laughs) There's not going to be a lineup. It's not going to be like that cool cold open on Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they end up singing the Backstreet Boys and then she picks out the guy. That's not going to happen. Sorry. So Tiresias arrives and he's like, hey. Oedipus, you know, no reason, but I don't think you should do this. I don't think you want to do this. Maybe don't do it. Probably not a good idea. And Oedipus is like, what are you even talking about? I need to find this person and punish them. We have to get rid of the plague. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, they get into a huge shouting match because as we already know, Oedipus is not a chill person. He doesn't take bad news well. So yeah, he just won't let it go. And it devolves to the point where Tiresias is finally just like, It was you, Kay! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that face. (laughs) It was you! (laughs) It was you. I told you not to do this. You pushed me. It was you. I hope you're happy, asshole. He wasn't happy, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> I broke Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Your face was so good. <sighs> you really got in character on that one. <laughs> it was you! I feel like you've been <laughs> in his position before. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, who hasn't? Okay. So he announces that Oedipus is the one that killed King Laius. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, you're living a shameful life. And you don't even know who your parents are. Burn. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I do too. (laughs) They named me. They named me Swollen Foot. (laughs) (laughs) I know who my mommy is. Don't you talk to me. (laughs) All I can think is like a land before time. Swollen foot. (laughs) Little foot, meet your cousin, swollen foot. 
He's kind of an asshole. (laughs) He's definitely kind of an asshole. Did you ever wonder why you didn't have a dad growing up? Because he killed him. (laughs) I can finish this. It's going to be fine. Do it. So, enraged, Oedipus blames Creon because he thinks his bruncle put the prophet up to besmirching his name. So then Queen Jocasta's like, ah, shit, I need to defuse this because now my husband is mad at my brother. So she gets in there and tries to play peacemaker. And for some reason that I don't totally understand, she's like, you know what would help? I'm going to tell you about how we decided to kill our firstborn son because, you know, he was going to kill my husband. Seems like a good story. It's definitely going to calm everyone down. (laughs) If you think this is bad, wait until you hear this. So the way she told the story, she set it up so the moral would be uh, that sometimes prophecies are wrong because her husband did not die uh, from her son because her son was already dead for a long time because they killed him. So... Sometimes prophets are wrong, you know? Whatever. And the giant swollen foot never tipped her off. Like, hey, something about this seems oddly familiar. I mean, I feel like it probably healed enough that she wasn't like, hey, um, who pierced your feet when you were a baby? So during this conversation... She mentions uh, that Laius got killed where three roads met. And then Oedipus is like, oh, shit. Do you think it's the same guy? (laughs) Did I kill him? It's probably a different three-road intersection, right? Different different murder, probably, maybe. Sure. Was there a slave there? (laughs) And then, uh, suddenly, a messenger arrives from Corinth with news that King Polybius has died. Was it the slave? <laughs> it's not the slave. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> the guy's like, it's you! <laughs> I know you! This is not a telenovela. It was not <laughs> the slave. No, it's, it's Greek. It might be worse than a telenovela. Oh yeah, it is. So, uh, Oedipus is like, oh man, that's a huge relief because if he's already dead, I can't kill him. So that seems like an up message for me, right? But then he's like, oh, you know what? Uh, my mom's still alive, so I can't go to the funeral, you know, in case he accidentally marries her. He's just like, geez, mom, all of a sudden you're looking real good. You know, sometimes you accidentally fall in love with your mom, I guess. I don't know. Accidents happen? Accidental sex with your mom? Maybe. Don't think most people accidentally fall into and then out of and then back into somebody? I don't know. Men seem to have a different opinion about the frequency (laughs) with which that happens than I do. Uh, yeah, so then the messenger's like, oh, well, you don't need to worry about accidentally marrying her because she's not your real mom. Record scratch. 
<laughs> he brought his own gramophone. <laughs> like, yep. Scratch the record. Or? But yeah, he's like, oh, it's totally fine because you were adopted. So even if you did marry her, would be kind of weird, but like not that big of a deal. Except, you know, kind of a big deal. Anyway, it turns out the messenger was the person who gave the baby to Polybius and Merope in the first place. Oh, plot twist. So it was a, hey, I know you. Totally. Situation. You were close. You were close. Ooh, so uh, around this time, Jocasta's like, oh my god, I... I know what we're about to find out, and I can't mentally handle it, so she tries to derail everything. She's like, hey, uh, Oedipus, let's just, let's just let it go. We're not gonna find out the answers, let's not dig into this anymore, but, you know, our boy Oedipus is kind of a dumbass, so he thinks the reason she's upset is that he might be low-born and not, uh, worth being married to a queen. So to resolve that perceived problem that's a different problem than the problem he actually has, they decide to send for the herdsman who delivered the baby to the messenger from Corinth. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the servant that had the baby and then gave it to someone else, that guy. I'm getting so excited, I'm slapping things. It's fine. It's like the best dinner party ever. Oh, it's gonna get real good. Everybody's just sitting around with their hands flat on the table like, what is gonna happen next? (laughs) Oh, shit. Who do you think the next surprise guest will be? (laughs) I just back up. What? 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 It's like that show, This Is Your Life. Like, who's gonna come down the stairs now? (laughs) So the the herdsman shows up and he's like, oh yeah, uh, uh, so Queen Jocasta about that baby I was supposed to leave on a mountain? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't quite do that. I might have given the baby to this guy. So yeah, now everybody knows that Oedipus has been fucking his mom and I know I'm not supposed to say the F word but I did (laughs) been boinking his mom they have been boning so much he was like I came out of that I enjoyed it so much I want to go back in (laughs) (laughs) over and over and over again no no to completion several times at least four right at least four at least four, but let's be honest, we know it was more than that. We know. Ew. Oh, yeah. Dude, I would feel like I could never, ever shower enough to get that. Forever yeah. unclean. Nightmares for life. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Oedipus finally realizes that, yeah, he, the man he killed was Laius. Oh, uh, and, uh, yeah, that was his father. And then he did marry his mother. Jocasta, in a mixture of what I can only assume was grief, shame, and disgust, 
she hangs herself because, you know, apparently she agreed with Emily. There is no amount of bathing that can make that feeling go away. Yeah, that's tough. Like, even looking at your kids, your kids are a reminder that... Well, you know, and for Oedipus, his kids are also his siblings, so that's probably fun. (sighs) The whole thing, yeah. So what happens next depends on the source you're looking at, but like I said, we're sticking with Sophocles. So Oedipus goes in search of Jocasta and finds her body hanging, lifeless, and he removes a brooch from her gown and uses the pin to blind himself. That fixes everything? No, but you know... I guess he decided it was better than continuing to see his offspring slash siblings. Or look at himself in the mirror, probably, if they had mirrors. Or look at his swollen feet and know. It all comes back to the swollen feet. So he goes into exile blind, and his oldest daughter, Antigone, serves as his guide for a time until he eventually dies at Colonus, and that's a different place, so that's all you're getting of that part of the story. So that is the pretty gross uh, stomach-turning story of Oedipus Rex. Why would he let one of his children be his... It wasn't so much that he let her as that no one else would do it because he's like a gross dude who slept with his mom and killed his dad. So it was like a pity thing on her part because no one else would do it. In, in, in Greece, they're like, ew. In Rome, they're like, totally normal. It's cool. I thought the Tuesday here. <laughs> So anyway, uh, if you find out that your child's destiny is to kill you and marry your spouse, probably don't pierce their feet and try to leave them on a mountain. Because you're just going to end up causing the problem to happen instead of making it go away. Don't do that. That's the moral of the story. Yes. <laughs> Don't pierce their feet. The That's just cruel and unusual. Don't try and leave the baby on a mountain. It's not going to work. The moral of the story is that by trying to subvert your fate, you sometimes inadvertently bring it about. It's a catch-22. I've totally done that. For sure. I'm going to study my butt off so I don't fail this exam. Fail my exam anyway. Yeah, I think the sitcom version of what you're talking about is you study really hard, fall asleep on your books, miss the test. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's the version that we get now. It's not the, oh man, you've been having sex with your mom for a really long time version. (laughs) And that's why I failed my test. (laughs) It's all this inbreeding. It's not my fault. It's the inbreeding. It is. It's all the inbreeding. So probably the most well-known presence of this myth in modern culture is the Oedipus Complex, which was introduced by Sigmund Freud in his book Interpretation of Dreams, which was published in 1899. According to Freud, 
children have an unconscious sexual desire for their opposite sex parents because, you know, he's a bigot who thinks homosexuality is a psychological disorder, but he did a lot of cocaine, so who gives a shit what he thinks anyway? And uh, according to Freud, the healthy way to cope with this desire is to identify and idealize your same-sex parent. So that's why little kids want to become their mommy or daddy. But I think more broadly, this myth relates to very common human anxieties about whether or not we actually have the ability to shape our own destinies or if we sometimes cause our own downfall by seeking to assert our free will in situations where we don't have the control we'd like to have. Um, There are lots of modern examples of this as a broader theme, but one of my personal favorites is the show Jane the Virgin, which was on the CW for like five seasons. So if you haven't seen that, do, because yeah, I'm still not sure whether in that world she actually gets to make her own decisions or not. Can't really decide. (laughs) I think it probably works for Supernatural, too, though, in a lot of different ways. If you think about it, because look at the freaking Winchesters. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they still come back around time and time again to the same issues problems over and over again no matter what decisions they make or roads they go down (laughs) the apocalypse is (laughs) nigh. so basically the cw wants you to question your free will probably (laughs) (laughs) but uh that wasn't enough for me because well i'm me so i picked out a more specific a more specific It's a good new word. I am struggling with life. (laughs) A more specific example, which they're separate words, not one word that gets pushed together because my brain sucks today. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but here is my version of this myth that I picked out. The show Bates Motel. Oh, yeah. Well, even the movie... Yeah, but it doesn't work as well with the movie Psycho as it does with Bates Motel because we don't... Okay, number one, Norman's mom's not a real character in that movie because Mm -hmm. she's already been dead. Right. So we're just getting his projections of her, not the actual woman. And then we don't really get Norman's backstory, but that's all that Bates Motel is, basically, is let's Look at how a person could become the Norman Bates that we end up with in Psycho. So if you haven't seen it, um, it's centered around Norman Bates still, except pre-Hitchcock's Psycho. And it fleshes out the backstory of the iconic Mama's Boy, enabling viewers to take a closer look at what it takes to make a homegrown homicidal maniac. The show begins with Norman's father already dead, but we eventually discover through flashbacks that Norman killed his dad because he was abusing Norman's mom. So yeah, Norman Bates literally killed his dad. 
And while I think we can all agree taking out a domestic abuser is a much better motive than he was in my way <laughs> the road, mm-hmm. it still happened. So it still works. And while Norman, and by the way, have either of you seen Bates Motel? The show? No. Okay. I've well, seen the psycho movie, but yeah. So Norman's mom's name in Bates Motel is Norma. Oh my god. Yeah. That's weird. Make that face. (laughs) I don't like it. Oh, it's gonna get worse. So while Norman and Norma obviously don't get married because that would be illegal for us, the closest thing we can get to that taboo is a sexual relationship in Bates Motel. And while they don't actually have sex on screen, there is a whole hell of a lot of inappropriate behavior, including romantic kissing, spooning, and spending the night in the same bed. Mouth to mouth. so messed up. And the gross part is you know that this stuff happens in real life. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely inspired by real life people. I mean, Norman Bates is partially based on Ed Gein, so I was just—I was say thinking that. the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. I was—I was like, oh, it's like our boy Ed Gein. Yep, he's partially based on him. So hell yeah, it's like that. Except without the nipple belts and skull bowls that you know of. That we know of. That was a separate room in the motel. <laughs> <laughs> That's where mom kept all her evening wear. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> In the vibrating bed that you put the quarters in. Ew, ew. (laughs) Magic fingers. (laughs) Magic fingers, nipple belts, and incest. Yeah, that makes for a really (laughs) gross show. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. We also, by the way, get multiple episodes where we have super creepy fantasies in Norman's head brought to life, where he's, like, envisioning his mother as Marilyn Monroe, basically, and it's real gross, but also I kept watching it because that's who I am, and I have to confirm that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what I'm going to say to finish this out, by the way, is kind of, well, no, it is a spoiler for Bates Motel. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know how it ends, don't listen to what I'm about to say. But the reason Norman kills Norma in Bates Motel, since that question's also not really answered in Psycho, is that she marries someone and he's jealous of their relationship with each other. So he kills her. So he kills her instead of killing the competition? Yeah. He kills her and then he keeps her body. You saw As Psycho. You yeah, I did. Yeah, I know. But I'm just thinking about if he had those kinds of feelings. She's a life-size Barbie. And by the way, we can't rule out necrophilia. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like that one doctor that dug up the chick and kept her around for like 10 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I can't remember his name. You know who I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was that beautiful, like, Hispanic woman. Carl Tanzler. Yeah, that sounds right. So, I mean, 
I I didn't finish every single episode. Like I quit after he killed her because I was like, oh, okay, that's why. But I can't say it was on A and E, so I doubt they would have even implied necrophilia. But I'm just gonna say maybe, maybe it happened. So I don't know because I didn't finish the show the rest of the way after. I just wanted to see what happened when he finally killed her, basically, and I got that. So yeah, that's my modern version of Oedipus Rex. He's not a king, but he is a hotel manager. He's king of the kingdom. (laughs) He holds all the keys to the kingdom. And he has peepholes, and he will use them. Gross. So many reasons I'm uncomfortable in hotels. To anyone who doesn't know me that well, the fact that I'm laughing right now probably horrifies you. And for that, that, I just want to say, one, you can't see the faces they're making and they're giving me joy. And two, the answer to the question you're thinking is, yes, I I am kind of messed up, but it's okay. It's okay. I think we all are a little bit twisted. We laugh in our discomfort. Yep. At a situation. It's like, this is so uncomfortable and gross. I don't really know what other reaction than to laugh right now because otherwise I can't diffuse this feeling. Yep. We're all Chandler Bing. Yep. (laughs) You mean Shenandler Bong? Yes, I do mean Miss (laughs) Shenandler Bong. Okay, does anyone have, like, any, like, nice little things before we wrap up? I was right. It was Carl Tanzler. I looked it up. Just to oh, double check. nice. <laughs> Good for nice you. <laughs> I was like, I need to know if I said the right name. Google. Being right feels so good. It's mm-hmm. basically cocaine for poor people. <laughs> That's why Joel's always mad at me because I'm right all the time and it just makes him so irritated. Yeah, I know those feels. I want the cocaine. Me, me. (laughs) It's my turn to do a line of rightness. (laughs) Air the wealth. Oh, maybe that's why Freud actually did cocaine, because he wasn't right, so he had to get the feeling from somewhere else. Actually, uh, mostly... He was like, oh, I hate my life because every time my wife and I have sex, she gets pregnant and has even more children. So I'm not getting my satisfaction over here. So then he does a bunch of cocaine and then he's like, oh, shit, I need to write some books to pay for my cocaine. That sounds like story. And all my kids. Well, yeah. Sounds like the... Like, he needs to step up his pull-out game. That's what it sounds well, like to me. Well, like. I mean, the real story in terms of Freud is the real reason he thinks everything is about sex or lack of sex is because he'd had to abstain for a really long time so his <laughs> wife would stop getting pregnant. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, is he not the center of the universe? Someone should have told him. I don't like him. I'm sorry to everyone who's offended. <laughs> Offended by not liking Freud. I don't know about that one. Listen, he said that I'm not happy because I don't have a penis, and he was wrong. I'm totally fine with not having a penis. And there are times when it would be helpful. I don't want it. I'll tell you, peeing in the forest without a penis sucks. 
Sitting down without having to worry about balls, though, is real <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's pros, fair. Pros yep. and cons, baby. <laughs> yeah, things are gross enough in the summer when my thighs touch and get a little sticky and touch each other. I can't imagine adding two fairy, like, crotch goblins to that, so. No, hard pass on that. I don't know how I could I don't have any news that can top um not having hairy crotch goblins so <laughs> you're welcome yeah I don't I really am crotch goblinless <laughs> and I feel good about it too, Matt, Freud. <laughs> we need to make a song all about that <laughs> Woo. all right so I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up then Thank you for coming to visit our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a, I'm not going to use any adjectives, enjoying a slice of Greco-Roman mythology. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tea Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice because we can never get enough of basically anything if we're being honest if you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content you can become a donor on patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits we have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget the three dollar mythbuster seven dollar cryptid hunter and fifteen dollar storyteller become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away don't forget you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at PineAppAppPizzaPod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.